podcast. This is Chris Young. I'm here with a colleague of mine, Matt Natal. Oh, goodness. How long we go back, Matt? Long time, right? Oh, yeah. Back to the 80s. Back to the 80s, for sure. Back to, back to Madonna and you too. <laughs> yeah. Still love them. <laughs> so so let, me, let me introduce you to, to our audience. Um, listen, it's, it's, it's my pleasure to have Matt here today. Matt and I go back, as we already mentioned, a long time. Uh, he is a personal friend of mine. He's a coach. He's a mentor for me. Uh, a person with incredible discipline, and that's you know one of our conversation pieces today. But you know he he's he's known as being an integrative fitness, nutrition, and sports or strength awareness practitioner. He's been a leader in the field since 1980. Uh, he has a bachelor's degree in exercise, holds various certifications in holistic nutrition, integrative health, personal training, massage therapy therapeutic acupressure, which I want to ask you about, mm -hmm. stress awareness facilitation and meditation. He also served as a fitness contributor to the Academy Award nominated actress Lorraine Bracco's book, To the Fullest. He was a featured personal trainer in The Biggest Loser. And by far, Matt is one of the most dedicated, disciplined people I know. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, I was when you were saying that I was saying, "Who was that?" When you were describing <laughs> that's you, man. The, 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 the epitome of discipline. Good stuff. Well, it's interesting, you know, to see what people, how people view you. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah. you know, everything right back at you. Like I've always admired your discipline, your work ethic, and uh, you know, same thing right back at you. Yeah, man. Cool. So, how you been? I'm good, man. Uh, I feel good. You know, just adjusting to uh, the new life we live in, hopefully temporary, but, you know, we try to learn something from it. You mean the post-COVID, the COVID, pre-COVID? <laughs> Wherever we're at, pre, post, current, just got to try to learn and, and, and deal. So, what's, been what's been happening? You mentioned earlier before we started, you were taking a new certification. Yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to stretch myself a little bit more. I want to stay challenged. And I'm kind of a hands-on person. Yeah. So all this remote learning to me, it doesn't get my juices going, but it really has to because I yeah. have to change with what's being presented to me. Yeah. So instead of waiting for schools to reopen and waiting for in-person, I got to dive in. You know, you can't wait. You got to live. Yeah, man. I hear you. I hear you. So, so, so you're taking a new certification. What, what's, what is this about? What's the certification? It's the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Um, it's supposed to be one of the most uh, challenging personal training certifications. I, yeah. I had attained it twice before mm -hmm. during the last 35 years. Um, but I just like to take the test every so often because there's always new information. Yeah, yeah. But doing so much more than personal training, right? Yeah. I mean, like you're, you do acup acupressure, you do massage therapy. Um, I remember you do end of life counseling, right? So tell me about some of those other things you got going on because it's clearly holistic, right? It's not, it's not, not to say it's just personal training, but you do so much more than personal training. Well, I try to integrate, yeah, I try to integrate everything together as best I can, you know, depending on what the person, you know, my client, yeah. the person in front of me needs. You know, when we were younger and we worked out, primarily it was for a physical rush. It was for a physical result. 
a physical rush. And of course, mentally, we felt yeah. good about it. Yeah. You know, but after doing it for a certain amount of time, you know, you realize that the physical has its limitations, right? Yeah. We're only going to live so long. There's, so many, there's only so much we can do physically. And the real living is beyond the physical. So what can I learn in other aspects, you know, emotional, um, yeah. mental aspects, psychology, anything I could do to really give myself the best opportunity to help somebody. Yeah. So that's what led me to different kinds of modalities, right? Because exercise What do you mean by modalities? What's that mean? Well, modalities. a modality would be, um, it's, you know, instead of just being a personal trainer, let me, let me learn massage therapy. Let me see how the body responds to touch. Um, let me see how the body responds to nutrition. Yeah. Let me see how the body responds to um, integrating all of those together and not just being one dimensional because a person isn't one dimensional, you know, we're multidimensional. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to just get away from the physicality of fitness yeah. Yeah. and try to offer something that helps people create what they perceive as balance because balance is really different for everybody. A yeah. balanced lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I'm still, you know, we're always learning. So yeah. it's always a process. Yeah. And, and you know, we, you and I have had conversations after conversations about stress, right? And, mm -hmm. and stress and related to people's behaviors, right? Um, you, you also have some certification in stress identification or something like that? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, stress is a very, I mean, we, you can talk for days about yeah, stress man. and the concept of it. Um, you know, my concept is that stress doesn't exist unless we believe in it. Now, I'm not talking about physical stress. Like if I pushed, you know, if I pushed you off a building, there's no debate, right? That's a physical stress. But let's take, for example, um, the stress of being an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. If you said to someone, if you took three different people and said, you're going to be an entrepreneur, one person might freak out. They might say, I can't do that. I have to work for somebody. And then they go into a complete stress mode. Another person might say, that's my game. I love it. I'm in my element. I'm happy. Let, let's go. Another person could be indifferent. Mm -hmm. So when I that's threw good. something at that person, we all react differently. We interpret stress differently. So it, stress only exists when we give it energy hmm. and we control it. We yeah. basically can, we decide if we want to be stressed and we decide if we don't want to be stressed. I mean, again, it could be talked about and broken yeah. down, but that's really, you know. Yeah. Well, I want to get into stress a little bit today. Right. So um, whenever possible, jump into that conversation because, you know, some of the people that are listening to this probably stressed out. Right. Um, yeah. We're going to get into, as, you, as we, we talked earlier, we're going to get into values. We're going to get into habits. And mm -hmm. I think it's really important for us to get into a conversation about habits and how, does that, how those habits relate to stress, if, if at all possible. I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But, uh, you know, you brought up the 1980s and us working out. You know. Do you remember that? Where was that gym? Uh, Gold's Gym? Oh, sure. that, those were some, those were some crazy times. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because gold started on the West Coast with the one location yeah. in the 60s and 70s. They started to sell franchise. I remember when Jersey got its first golds in Westwood. I yeah. felt like it was the second come. I'm like, 
oh my God, there's a Golds in New Jersey. I went right there immediately. Again, you know, when you're into something, when you're yeah. a fanatic, yeah. you just, you know, it's, and, and at, that, at that time in my life, that's what really, you know, I was yeah. focusing on to kind of set things up. Yeah, the 1980s, right? Go, go to the gym is, let's push as much weight as we can. Those were some big people back then. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it's, <laughs> it still is an interesting subculture, but back then it was new to the general, yeah. you know, everyone was kind of tucked away in Santa Monica in the yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah. And then you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. With Joe Weider, the three of them brought that into the mainstream in the yeah. 80s. And we, many of us adopted, <laughs> we just went, went along with it. I was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Can you imagine if the people that were in that gym in the 1980s were listening to the, to the, the political debates a few weeks ago? Or, or I mean, it, it, would have been, it would have been brutal, right? Because back, back then it was, it was a pretty physical culture, right? <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, it's so different. I mean, I remember I was in a gym working out when Ronald Reagan got shot, when he was, you know, a, yeah. the assassination yeah, attempt. There was a little box TV in the corner in the manager's office. <laughs> so we're all working out. All of a sudden he says, hey, Reagan, we don't know if he's dead. We ran up to the television. We were, you know, in front of this little TV. Uh, but I don't really think people, you know, were that engrossed because obviously no social media. Yeah. They were, once uh, you left the television or you walked away from a newspaper, you weren't it. involved in international and national affairs. Everybody has an opinion now, right? Oh my God. You're walking around <laughs> with that information 24 oh, seven. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so let's talk about that for a second, just because, you know, I know you and I have a, we've talked about social media in the past and uh, you mentioned you've, you've watched Social Dilemma and even before, the, the, I think it's called Social Dilemma, right? The Netflix uh, mm -hmm. documentary. You, you and I were talking about Facebook and the impact of Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter, et cetera. What, what, do you, what do you make of all this on stress and on fitness and on people's lifestyles, right? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, well, for myself, if I had to list the top 10 moments of my life, they would never include being on a computer or a phone. So if you're looking, like my opinion, again, just my opinion, if yeah. you're looking to have peak experiences and experiences that you remember the rest of your life, I don't know how many of them are achieved or felt or experienced when you're on a device. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very wary about just overusing it and I'm very conscious of how much time I'm on it. And once you start going down those wormholes, you know, click this, click that. So I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm apprehensive about it and I push myself away. Yeah, you know? yeah well, I remember when you, when, you, when you actually did go off of Facebook, because mm -hmm. I've been doing this very similar. I, um, for the most part, I've hired somebody to do all of my social media marketing mm -hmm. and, uh, I go on Facebook every now and then just to see a few pictures, right? Sure. But I'm always getting pulled into the conversation, right? Some stupid comment, or at least in my opinion, stupid comment. I'm like, let me jump in and beat somebody up over this. Yeah. But you know what's funny? I'm bringing 80s, 1980s back to this. <laughs> you said some of the stuff on Facebook or on 
sort of the, if you said that in the 1980s, can you imagine what would happen to you? I mean, seriously. I cannot imagine growing up. And when you're growing oh, up, you know, some of us, you know, we do things that, you know, we feel we're going to live forever. If all of that was captured, not even by me, like whose video you make, right? <laughs> I just think, you know, again, it's an invasion of privacy in a lot of ways to always be, you know, on a camera of some sort. Yeah. Um, I know it's done a lot of great things. It's, re, you know, people have had reunions. It's saved yeah. lots. But I see more, I see more of it as not productive and maybe a little negative. Yeah. Well, you, you, saw, you, saw, the, you saw the documentary, right? All of these employees coming out talking about Facebook this and Twitter that. And, you know, it was always, I remember when it was first started because I was still in the venture capital world. And I remember when it was coming out, it was like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing in the world. We're going to democratize content. Uh, everybody's going to have access to content. And, and that is indeed true, right? But no one realized, no one thought ahead and said, oh, fake news, fake content. It's going to potentially destroy young girls' lives because, you know, they're going to be stressed out about looking pretty and filters and all this other stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely adding a layer of complexity to people's lives, yeah. I think. You know, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I mean, even uh, my children, uh, you know, my son, he says if he stays on too long, he, he realizes he doesn't feel well. He feels better before he went on. Yeah. Than when, if he stays on a little too long. So everybody, I guess, has their, their point of no return. Yeah. Some people are not aware of it. Some people are just so addicted, it's just automatic. They're not at a point of awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and even people who are aware, you can feel yourself having maybe to push yourself away. It's not easy. Yeah, not easy. You know, it just depends what you just said about your son. I've been looking at, uh, I've been looking at the impact of pornography on people, mm -hmm. right? And I looked at some of the research that's out there, and it's incredible research, right? Uh, one of the research studies, oh, goodness, I forget the person who did the study, but they put, they, it was all men, right? And they did a study. They put a, a gentleman in front of pornography, watching pornography over a period of time. And then they had another person who was just looking at ads and commercials, just normal TV stuff. Yep. And then they, and they tested them after the fact. And they asked them questions around violence, how they perceive, how they perceive women, how they perceive rape, how they perceive these things. And the pornography, the people that actually watched the pornography, dramatically different perception of the people that were just watching ads, right? So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I'm, I think there's a study out there where somebody's looking at someone who's on Facebook or on some social media platform and comparing it to someone's off. I bet you that you'll see dramatic change in behavior. Yeah, I mean, pornography, if you look at the general definition, is something extreme to an illicit, an, an extreme response. Because yeah. they say food porn, workout porn, right? Pornography isn't always related to sexual pornography, but yeah. you even see this in fitness ads. If you go on Instagram mm -hmm. and you'll see a female, you know, the, the frame is frozen and she's in like somewhat of a provocative position during the exercise. Yeah. I'm sure that's meant to draw you in. Of course. Just like a male, if a male has, a, you know, a defined physique, yeah. he's going to zero in maybe on his abs. Yeah. In. If somebody looks like they're a daredevil, they're about to jump off of a cliff. You yeah. click on. So every, you know, this, this kind of a pornographic, um, foundation to get people to click yeah and to get people to consume is you know it's it's disturbing it's alarming and it has to change the brain function and the chemicals 
sex sells, right? Um, one of those studies that I was mentioning where they were watching pornography, um, and goodness, I wish I remember the, the, uh, the study, but they looked at gray matter, mm-hmm. right, in the brain, and somebody who was addicted to pornography watching this type of content, and I'm talking about sexual pornography at the moment, uh-huh. and the brain stops working. Very similar to being a heroin addict or, a, you know, a, a, somebody who's addicted to alcohol, your brain, there's certain parts of your brain that stop functioning appropriately. And I would bet you we're going to see similar types of outcomes from social media. I don't know that to be true yet. I'm just hypothesizing here, but I would bet you that's something like that. Well, you know, uh, there's been psychologists and psychiatrists who have written books. I don't have anything right off, you know, top here, but I've seen authors on different shows that have done studies and just, you know, from their own practices, the amount of people coming in and referencing the unhappiness or the anxiety or the depression to social media. So already there are, you know, I don't like to classify things medically too quickly because then we kind of own them and take on a life of their own. But (laughs) doctors are doing that already with, you know, the overexposure and the negativity of the social media. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, so look, if, it, if it's all right, um, why don't we talk a little bit about you? Because, uh, you know, this whole show, I wanted to talk about you and to understand, you know, uh, let, the, let the, uh, the people that are listening or watching this get a sense of your, of your, your foundation, right? Sure. How, you were, how you were raised, how did you get into fitness, right? Because that's, that, you know, I always come back to, and, and you know, we've had multiple conversations about this, right? How fitness can change your life. It did it for you, even more so than it did it for me. Uh, it's done it for so many other people throughout the world, right? So if it's okay, why don't you just share with us a little bit of your background and, you know, sure. what led you to fitness? Okay. Well, you know, the first thing I really remember growing up is my father not being well physically. He was always, all I remember like from three, four, five years old, we were always taking him to the hospital and then picking him up. Yeah. And he'd be in the house, he'd be out of work, he'd have bandages and medication and to me, I just thought that was normal because I didn't have any source of reference that other dads didn't go in and out of the hospital. So no. my earliest recollections are hospital, doctor, father at home mm-hmm. and not well, not feeling well. You know, as I got older and I went into other people's homes, I realized that that's really not the norm. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be the norm. Um, so, and I also, you know, as you get older, you see your parents' habits. My father would drink every day. He would smoke cigarettes, okay? And, yeah. you know, you start noticing these habits. Yeah. So he was really contributing to the bad health that he had. And he was sick from when I was a couple of weeks old to when he passed away, when I was yeah. 19 years old. My mother started to get sick probably three or four years prior to my father passing away. So maybe I was about 16. She had just dealing with a sick spouse, all that stress um, for year after year, and they didn't really have a good marriage. That started to break her down. She started to get anxiety, depression. She wouldn't want to go to work because he's, you know, he's drinking too much. So all I saw really was illness and sickness. And I started to read, I'd go to the library, I'd walk to the library and take books out. Yeah. I would read about my father's illnesses, and then I'd read about alcoholism. And what age is this now? Now I'm 16 or 17, because, you know, that's, there was no, you know, obviously there's no internet. <laughs> but so I'd go to the, to the library. And you're probably stressing a little bit too, right? Oh, I would imagine. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, when I realized it wasn't normal, and when mm -hmm. I realized that the overall tone of the house was unhappy yeah. and worried all the time. Is he going to die? Is she going to go to the hospital? So there yeah. was like a fear and anxiety and also the physical stuff that was going on with them. Um, so it made me aware of health. And it also made me aware of how your habits can set your, you know, you set yourself up in the present, yeah. but also the future. Yeah. For what you did. So I think it, it jarred, it definitely jarred me. Um, and, and as a teenager, you know, we're from Jersey. You, you go out, you start drinking a little bit with your friends, you party. Yeah. And you we all did it. I was, I was escaping that and experimenting more and more with different things. Yeah. You know, smoke marijuana, do cocaine, like all the stuff yeah. that, that you experiment with. This is the 80s, that right? the 80s. So yeah. I realized at a certain point, I came home one night and I was, I did, I think I did cocaine. I smoked pot. I did a couple of things. And I sat there shaking on my bed. And I said, if I keep doing this, I'm going to die. And I don't want to die. I just don't want to die. Yeah. Um, but if I keep going, hang around with the same people, I'm going down a worse path than my family. So I'm, I saw my mom and dad kind of do it to themselves. And I'm yeah. doing it to myself with the drugs. No, not going to be that way. So that was a turning point for me. So from that point on, I realized, you know, I really can't hang with the same guys. I got to have, because I was like an all or nothing person. I have to now throw myself into something else. Mm -hmm. That's going to command a lot of attention for someone who's a teenager. When you're a teenager, you have so much energy. You got to put it into something. So I had a, an older friend of mine who was a weightlifter. Yeah. And I asked him one day, can you show me what to do? So are you, still, are you still in high school now? You're in college. I was in high school still. So okay. he showed me what to do. And then he went away to college. He was older than me. So I used, I, you know, he, he gave me a basic routine. I would go to the magazine stores and buy muscle and fitness. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, every month there was a new, like, you know, all these new things you could try. And then a friend of mine, there was no GNCs, no vitamin shops. There was one health food store in Bloomfield, New Jersey called Wonder Health Food. Everyone yeah. would drive from all over to go to this place. And I'd go there and I'd go, oh, you know, that's what Arnold takes. That's what Franco Colombo takes. That's, so I started to learn about nutrition and do, yeah. you know, do these things. And I grabbed a friend of mine who wanted to start exercising. So we had a training partner. Yeah. And again, I just dove into it 100%. So no more drinking, no more drugs, mm -hmm. no more of that stuff. I got rides to the gym until I got my car. I remember... When I got my car, my dad was still alive because, you know, he passed away when I was 19. There was a blizzard in New Jersey. And I had an old car. It was like $1,000. It wasn't good for the snow. Mm -hmm. I call up the gym owner. He only lived a block away from the gym. I said, hey, Tony, are you open? He goes, yeah, there's nobody here, but I'll stay open if you want. You know? So I get my keys and my father goes, where are you going? There's 12 inches of snow. They haven't plowed the highway. I go, I got to go train. And I remember it took me one hour to drive 10 minutes. Yeah. Then I knew, you know, I'm like crazy hooked into this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't tell anybody to do that, you know, today. You know, stay <laughs> home, you do some push-ups at home, you know, you, you'll be okay. <laughs> but uh, so that really started changing things. I also was super fortunate. I met my current wife, Anne-Marie. Uh -huh. I met her at a young age, as a teen. And she was such a stabilizing force. I yeah. mean, 
it was like everything was wrong with my, everything was going wrong with my family. You know, my father passed away, my mother was hospitalized, but I had this great girl, like a great girlfriend who was stable. Yeah, so cool. So she, having her and having my training partner uh -huh. and breaking away from the old crew, I started new habits. And to me, it was not even a choice. What about the beginning, though, right? When you were, you know, you still had your friends calling you, right? Oh, you always, yeah. Well, hey, Matt, why don't you come out and smoke some, smoke some weed with yeah. us, right? And well, they, drugs and you know, they took it as a rejection. They also, you know, made fun, you know, like, oh, he's a weightlifter now. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's crazy. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. What are you going to do with that? So I, I met, you know, there was no one really supportive. And again, 16, 17 years old. What are you going to do? You're on an island, man. You're on an island. Yeah. So, you know, that was different. But I had my training partner, so we used to hang together. Okay. All right. But, again, you have to change what you read. You got to change who you hang with. You got to change what you dream about, if you can, right? You got to change all kinds of things. And just day by day, no matter how difficult it is, you stay. And I was working out while my father was reaching the end. He had a couple of heart attacks. We lost our home because my father couldn't pay the bill. So I was living out of the car. So all, you know, I lose my dad, my mom's hospitalized long-term. I lose my house. I'm in and I'm like in a freshman year in college. And I'm like, I don't know if I can finish college. Like I'm saying, I have no money making two fifty an hour, whatever minimum wage was. I can't, how am I going to buy food? How am I, I got to go get a job like at seven, it, I got to go work 40 hours a week so I have food. Wow. So at that point, but something told me to just stay, you know, stay in school, the structure of it. And then I got a job as a security guard from 12 at night to seven in the morning. And then go to school from seven in the morning to yeah, five at night. Yeah, work out like oh. in the afternoon. That's so, you know, I, I, did, I did what I had to do to make sure I finished school. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, it's interesting because that was the toughest part of my life. But at the same time, I really built a lot of character traits. Like, I, <laughs> I, again, I, like, I wish my father was alive and I wish my mother was alive and I wish they were healthy. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't trade what I learned. You understand what I mean? It sounds kind of weird. And another thing I realized, Chris, because I was reading up on drugs and what they do. And one of the things that stuck out is they enhance your mood. So I said, wow, I'm very depressed at home. I'm anxious. I'm nervous all the time. These drugs, I'm, I'm going to jump off. If I keep doing this, it's going to enhance my anxiety. Yeah. I got to get away from that stuff, man. I got to be clear. I said, this, this being has to be, for me to survive, I got to clear myself out. And so I know what I'm dealing with, you know? Yeah, so like when, you, when you said, hey, I'm going to stop this bad habit over here. I mean, and then jump into you know, creating these new habits. I mean, was, was it, did you ever have any, you know, was it challenging to do that? I mean. It wasn't challenging. And I, this is what I realized. You want to talk about the brain a little bit. When you do drugs, it alters your brain. Yeah. So you, you get a quote high, even if it's, you know, that's all subjective, whatever that means, but your brain is altered. 
I realized with exercise that your brain gets altered. So for me to go into a gym and attempt, you know, I'm, I'm a 160 pound guy, a 320 pound bench press, the exhilaration that the body, the, chem, the body explodes. So I'm getting a high off of all of this training. Then mm -hmm. I'm also getting a high off of physically changing yeah. from it. Um, getting a high from people asking me advice. So I was still getting a high, but it was something that wasn't destructive. You know, so it was, it was really a changeover from, I, you know, I did these substances and I felt a certain way. And now yeah. I'm doing things that are not illegal, that are productive, and that can enhance my life. And then I began teaching people, so enhance Yeah. Them. So, so let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So when you, when you first, because, you know, you always hear, change doesn't happen over a long period of time. Change happens when you decide, I'm going to change, right? But it takes a long period of time to get there, right? So, you know, you're doing drugs, you're, um, you know, in the beginning, you're, 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 you're probably doing less drugs, and then over time, you're doing more drugs, right? So it, it takes a while for you identify that you have a little bit of an issue, right? And I don't think you ever had a real problem, but you had enough of a problem where it became, hey, I got I, I to change. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it started out where whenever the older people, because I was younger when I started to do it, so I, I didn't even know where to buy it. So if the older guys in the crew picked up something, they would share it. So they were in control. Once I was old enough to meet people that sold it, I can get it every day. Yeah. I can get it three times a day. I can get whatever I want to get. I can sell it. Yeah, if I wanted to. So um, then I then I'm like I'm totally gone. When I went to my uh, ten year reunion in high school, when I you know I was in fitness already for a long time, and people would come up to me at the reunion. They go, "We didn't even know if you'd be alive at age oh. twenty." So wow. I, and I hadn't thought about that, you know, because now I'm in this whole new life. Uh, but that was a perception of me, like, "Wow, this this is dangerous. What this guy's doing." Yeah, and, and early in your, uh, in, you know, your high school days, did you play sports? Were you involved with any type of athleticism or anything? Or I mean, I never joined an organized team. Yeah. Uh, but we used to play football all the time. Like the guys from high school, we get together. Um, it was never organized, though. So there was no – it was just whatever skill you had. Yeah. So whenever you get together on the weekend, you get together in the summer. Um, but there was never anything where there's a coach – and you got to go to practice five days a week. Yeah, you got to get your skill better. Had not never chose that because I was going in the other direction. Well, there was no teachers out there or coaches that had an influence or were nurturing you, pushing you in a certain direction, right? No, definitely not. Well, who was who was it? I mean, what, did you actually have anybody in your life, or was it just mm. it, it got it got bad so fast that you know it, it was yeah, really I, weird. I would say that there was no one. To, yeah. to that it, it was more it was more observing the life that I built through my decisions. Everything was drugs related, drinking related, gotta go party. School was on the back burner. If I got a C plus, I was happy. So yeah. everything was I, I said, wow, this what, what kind of standard is <laughs> do I have here? Yeah, see and, and, and but meanwhile you were you were looking to go to college. 
I, w I was thinking of maybe even going into the military service when I was a senior. Yeah. So I really, until I cleared out, I really didn't have, a, you know, a structured plan. Um, yeah. But there wasn't anyone that like took me under their wing and said, okay, you got to straighten your ass out. This is what you got to do. I think I, it, it just, I realized it was, you know, like it's either li live or die. Yeah. And I don't even know how I'm going to build a great life yet, but I want to try. Yeah. So I got to leave this. This is not working. And I don't know where I'm going, but. I got you. I got you. So what, what was your goals at that time, right? So here, here you are, you're, you're, you're homeless, <laughs> right? You, 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 your dad just passed. Your, your, mom's, your mom's not in a great place physically. But what were, your, what were your goals just at that point in time? Like, you know, if you could think back on it. Yeah, well, the goal was to, to make enough to get food and to make, some, make enough money to make, get food and to somehow get out of my car. So you just, want, you just want to meet the basics of Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you're <laughs> Maslow, right? And, and, and you know, and it just, and, and, but I wanted it not have my, my fitness habits disintegrate. Because again, the stress I was feeling could have wiped that, you know, it could have easily wiped me out if I let it go. I got you. So, so tell me, it was, it was, it, it was your, your discipline in fitness that for the most part kept you, kept you alive? Yeah, and it actually propelled me Again, when, when I started exercising, there was no such thing as a personal trainer. Yeah. They would have health clubs with instructors that walked around and got paid minimum wage, which yeah. was probably around $3 an hour at the time. Yeah. So what had happened was I'd been training for a couple of years and I worked at a gym making the $3 an hour. And a gentleman walked up to me and he said, hey, I, wa I was watching Good Morning America and this guy body by Jake he trains Steven Spielberg. He yeah. goes to their house. He goes, I want you to do that for me. <laughs> and I had no idea who Body by Jake was and what he was talking about. I said, so clarify what you want. He said, I want you to spend three hours a week with me, three individual hours and get me in shape. So of course I said, okay, even though, you know, and I, he goes, what would you charge me? Now, I had no idea what, you know, I know I make $3 an hour. I said, you know what, let's talk about the price tomorrow, but, you know, and we'll talk about what kind of plan we're going to put together. Okay. I, you know, some, I asked a few people, did you ever hear about Jake? The, yeah, he charges a hundred dollars an hour. I don't, back then it was a lot of money. A hundred for Steven Spielberg. I go, this guy's not Steven Spielberg. I said, I'm going to charge 30. Okay. Right. It, what is it? A thousand times more or 10, it's 10 times more than I make now. <laughs> so I went back and I said, I'm going to charge you 30 and this is what we're going to do. He goes, no problem. Great. So now I'm making 30 bucks an hour. But again, it's for three hours a week, but that's you know, a lot of extra money for me. That's, that's more than, that's about what you were making for the whole week doing right. another job. And this had all to do with <laughs> me just sticking with fitness. Yeah. Becoming, I don't want to say, you know, we're always turning into more and more knowledgeable people, but I kind of knew my, I knew my stuff relative to a lot of people back then yeah. from my age. Indeed. And after I got him two weeks later, somebody saw me training him, they approached me. And the snowball, within six months, I had 20 hours a week, but I raised my rate to 50, not with him, I kept him at 30. Uh -huh. So now I went from making $60 a week to $1,100 a week in six months. Now, $1,100 a week 
is what is that fifty five thousand a year? Yeah, give it. Yeah, in yeah, the mid fifty. So yeah. I went from one extreme to another. Now back then, that was a lot of money. Yeah, fifty five thousand for for a trainer, especially getting paid cash, was was good money, right? It was good money. So I was able to get an apartment. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was in a really nice town, Upper Montclair, New Jersey. I had a great studio apartment in this old classic building. I bought, well, I leased a new car, uh-huh. something modest. I, I can go food shopping and not have to look at the money. And all of a sudden, because, and, and again, I, I, because I stuck with the fitness and became as knowledgeable as I can. And I guess I exuded that, I had a confidence. Yeah. people started hiring me. I, I, I was working seven days, within two years, seven days a week. Was it fair, is it fair to say that you were, you were one of the most well, well-respected? Because, I, you know, the folks that are listening don't know our background, but I, I always known you as a very competent person in the fitness world, right? And the, um, but did everybody else at this point in time know that Matt Natal was the guy that wasn't, wasn't a gym head, right? Wasn't a muscle head. He was actually a guy that was applying science to the way he was conducting himself. Uh, you know what? I, I, I never really tuned into what my reputation was. I just knew that people were talking about me and calling me. Oh, I, my friend's working out with you. Oh, my cousin's working out with you. The phone was ringing off the hook and I never said no. I mean, I was working five in the morning. <laughs> Because when, again, when you're used to not being able to afford food and people are throwing money at you, just here, here's for a month in advance, here's three months, here's this, here, use my vacation home, you know, we're going on a plane, a private plane here, there, all of a sudden, like the whole world changes. Now, again, that was extremely, you know, you get high off of it. Yeah. And your faith in life um, changes. Because when everything was dark for years, like just there was just a darkness and a heaviness. Mm. And suddenly, and again, I take a lot of responsibility for turning myself around, but you know, there's a grander design, there's a grander picture. I'm involved in that, you know, I'm part of that whole. Yeah. And I all of a sudden I saw the, the light that I dreamt about became. Yep. And uh it really, it saved, the whole thing saved my life. The dedication, yeah. driving through the snowstorm, all of that stuff built the character. And, uh, you know, again, with my wife, you know, I married her when I was 25. Having that stability there, it's just, you know, lessons, yeah. lessons all over. All right, so so your early in life, it gets you into fitness. You, you, you know, I would say, right, that you built up, in your earlier career, probably these phenomenal work habits, right? You were always reading. You know, you and I used to talk about the science and the movements, and you, you were always reading. You were always knowledgeable. I would argue that you were at the top of your game when it came to the intellectual capabilities of a trainer, right? Um, and in the beginning, tell me, if I'm, tell me if I'm crazy, but in the beginning, it was all about, I just gotta, I just got to put away some money. I got to take care of myself. Right, give me, give me as much as I can. I'll, tra- I'll, tra- I'll train 100 hours a week oh, at 30 or 50 bucks an hour, right? And yeah. the goal is to kind of like get to a place in your life where you're stable. Yeah, is that fair? About I, would, what I would definitely say so. I mean, again, when you have this, this feeling of um, lacking, right? You, don't, you know, 
the parents aren't there, there's no support, the money's dis the house disappears, money disappears. Yeah. Um, you that that doesn't leave your brain. Yeah. So when you get a phone call or a, you know, you know, anybody inquires about, yeah, I'm there, I'll do it, I'll work. Um and uh at that point I I was so immersed in the process of helping people. I didn't even really in my early 20s think what is stability? What because the the action I was taking was creating financial stability for me. So I just yeah. said keep going. I said just keep going. You know, you're in the groove. It's like when you're playing a piano, you can't stop and think about what you're doing. Yeah. You're really a good piano player, right? You're in the zone. Yeah. So I was in a zone of just expanding, you know, meeting more people, yeah. training more people, finding ways of helping more, and not really sitting down and going, what's the plan? Mm -hmm. Just saying. Just when did, yeah. at what point, if, if you remember back, when, when did you find stability? When did you say, oh, I feel good. I'm comfortable where we are right now. Because you were well, married, I'd imagine, at that time. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, realizing that the finance, you know, you need the finances to have the basic things. Yeah. But once I had the finances, I realized that that wasn't going to be my sole source of stability. And okay that other things, again, your relationships, um, you know, how you view the world, um, what you contribute back, mm -hmm. you know, what's your intention every day. It's kind of just, and I had to slow down a little bit for that. And I think when my wife got pregnant, I didn't take on as many, you know, that was super exciting. I remember not taking on some clients uh, and I just wanted to kind of be home more and kind of be with, and I had a little bit of time to just like chill and survey things and i said wow you know the the most important thing right now is my family yeah especially when you have that first kid right oh my god game changer it's unbelievable yeah it's so great game changer and that was your your son your daughter mm -hmm. right game changer same 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 here for me you get to you get to look back a little bit and say what, what am i doing why am i here now, i tell you though you know you ask the question now about what stability is yeah and at this point in my life, stability is, to me, it's the belief in myself that I will figure out any challenge that comes in front of me. Hmm. Because I don't know what's, you know, I have things I can control and there's a lot of things I can't control. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the things I can't control, I feel confident. Again, I don't have the answer to everything. And yeah. There's things that I, I don't know how I would figure it out, but you have to have confidence going forward into the, into the unknown. Yeah. So that to me is stability. F feeling what your character is in an, in an unstable situation. So I went through a lot of unstable stuff. Yeah. So I kind of went to a boot camp my whole, like my whole early life. Um, so I know how I would react if more challenging situations come. Yeah. And that to me is more confident than if, you know, if I said, Hey, Chris, I got 10 million in the bank and I got the, this job lined up and it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's a 10 year contract and I'm all stable. I mean, I'm not saying that's not good stuff, yeah. but what I'm saying is that you still might not be confident. You can have a ton of dough, 
and not be confident. Yeah. Maybe you didn't, so, you know. Let's, 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 let's pick at that a little bit. Because I, I think there's some trends that we see in your life, just like we see in so many other people's lives. While, while you're out there and you're, you're, you're gaining these skills, right? You're becoming intellectually a superhero when it comes to fitness, right? And you put in the hard work, both physically for yourself as well as for your business, and you're, you see success, right? Mm-hmm. You learn something from that, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I call that discipline, right? I learned I learned how to forge discipline through those processes, right? And you and you personally, you had a lot of tension in your life, as you just explained to us. Mm-hmm. Your early years were full of tension, mm-hmm. and those, those tensions pushed you. You tell me if I'm saying anything that's not right, but your tensions pushed you to develop these habits. Right? It forced you in so many ways. It forced you to 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 get to get something out of life, and and you did that. And now you've learned, hey. There's a process here to success, right? That's what I'm hearing. And the process is, okay, I got to put in hard work. I got to learn these skills. I got to be a master at this. And then later in your life, because I know you opened the gym and I know you have so many other things going on, there's some of these earlier traits, these earlier processes, you know, early disciplines, did they help you? In- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, people, when they're, in, they're initially interested in something, they give it a little bit of attention, I see, and then they kind of just back away from it. If it gets a little difficult mm-hmm. or they're frustrated or they're maybe bored because it's taken too long to see what they want to see. I was able to, because you hit all those points when you're involved in fitness or athletics, you hit sticking yeah. points Yeah, where you go backwards sometimes. And you're like, what the hell's going on? I'm putting all this work in. And this applies to business. Yeah. It applies to relationships, right? Sometimes, you know, you're married, you know, you, you give a little extra effort with your wife. Sometimes she might, you know, she might not acknowledge it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. She mm-hmm. might be just busy with something else. And you go, hey, um, I put this effort in for a day <laughs> and she didn't say anything, you know. And, and it could happen the opposite way too. Yeah. Uh, so people, they get into fitness, they'll go into business, they'll put a month or two in and go, eh, you know, it's just not the right thing. You know, I'll just move on to something else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes you got to pull the plug if it's not a good sure. idea. But yeah. in general, I like to really try to, to hop over these obstacles initially mm-hmm. to see if there's more to, to get out of it. Um, so I'm okay with the hurdles, the frustration, with yeah. what appears to be going backward. Because I experienced that with fitness. Yeah. Thing, it wasn't a straight line of success. You're up and you're down. You're up and you're down. And you got to be, you got to almost like kind of, you got to go with that and you got to be okay with that. Like, hey, you got to have like an entrepreneurial disposition. Yeah. Like when the shit hits the fan, you almost have to like get you excited in a way. Because mm-hmm. you know things aren't going to go great all the time. They're not. Yeah, they're that's not, not life. In gen- yeah. Whether you work for someone or you're an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. shit's going to hit the fan. You got your plan and then the day unfolds and that's it. You know, so. Yeah, and that's where, that's where you, I, I just, again, because I know you a little bit, is you tend to lean on your, your, your good habits, right? Like, I always go back the anchor. Yeah, yeah, let me hunk it down. Let's, let's, let's double down on some work this week. Let's Let's put a smile on our face despite the fact that it sucks at the moment in time, right? 
let's let's laugh about it. Let's let's hunker down, and you keep that you keep to that process, right? And that process is done well. Yeah. Well, again, I always go with foundation. Like, what is the foundation of what you're doing? Whether it's fitness, yeah. business, relationship, helping the community. What? Why do you want to do it? It has to be part of every particle of your body. Like for you yeah. to really succeed or take something, you know, cause success is subjective to take something to a level that you're very satisfied with. Yeah. Every part of you has got to be in there, man. Yeah. You, know, you got to be in there. So I, I have to, when things don't seem to be going in the direction I want, take a step back, take a breath, survey everything. And then remind myself, this is why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. These are the reasons. This is why I put all this effort into it. Let me see if I'm doing something I can do a little better. Yeah. Maybe I got to pull back on this. And like, you know, you, you've been an entrepreneur your whole yeah. life. You have to evaluate. Yeah. But you got to reconnect to why am I putting the effort? Right. So, so in the beginning, like we could, and you already defined this for us. You said, yeah, in the beginning it was about me just getting some money, right? And well, yeah, because I had to get the food and I had to get yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> you needed that basic stuff. Well, but here you are, right? 30 years later, mm -hmm. 25, 30 years later. And um, my guess is it's less about making money. It's less about you have all your kids through college, right? You, 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 it's you and your wife and you, you're living a good life. It's for, my guess is it's not any longer about, you know, let me work 100 hours a week. It's, there's something more to it now. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's really, it's, it's, I tell you, the feedback that I get from the people I'm working with, uh, it's, it's so important. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really everything at this point. I feel so, if, if I can help somebody a little bit, feel a little better, and they let me know about it, yeah. I say, I made, you know, I made the right decision 30, 40 years ago in doing this. Yeah. It, just, it, it just makes me feel good inside. It's like a physical feeling of, of peace yeah. um, more than them handing me, you know, obviously we need to get yeah. paid for our services, but sure. it's knowing that I can make a small difference in somebody's life. And again, I give, when someone succeeds, I give them 98% of the credit. And if someone doesn't succeed, I give them 98% of the credit. Mm -hmm. I'm a small part. I give a hundred percent of what I can do. Yeah. But I'm here to help. I can't, you know, you know, I don't yeah. take responsibility for making anybody anything. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I, I, you know, relating to some of the, the concepts that I've been reading and writing about, it sounds like over time you've built real character, right? In the beginning, you've built, you, you developed this incredible skill set, which I would refer to as intellectual virtues. I don't want to bore you with all the philosophers behind <laughs> that, but, you know, it, it we call intellectual virtues. And then over time, those intellectual virtues gave you, provided you enough, to be sustainable, right? I always bring in Maslow here. I don't know why I do that, but you bring in Maslow and, and now you're, you're sort of self-actualizing in many respects. You're, you're starting to become who you are, but at this point in time, it's less about you and it's more about helping other people with your skill set, right? So you're using all of those things that you've learned in the beginning to now do, to do good. In the beginning, you did, you did it for good too, but in the beginning, right, tell me if I'm wrong, but the balance was, more about me, and now it seems like the balance is more about making sure other people are successful and other people are. are yeah, the are beginning, the beginning goals. because I had the worry that I wouldn't have the food and I have nowhere to live. I was worried about me. 
Yeah. So I was trying to get myself out of the car and get myself a regular stream of food. Hmm. So, so I was, you know, it was totally focused on me. There's no doubt about that. But once I had the luxury to sit back and take that breath and realize, like, slow down a little, like, okay, you're not there anymore. Yep. It doesn't exist anymore. Where are you now? And kind of like, what do you want to contribute to your, to the world? Like what, yeah. what, what do you want your imprint to be on the world? Then yeah. you think about the other people and then it, 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 you know, I've been so blessed that this, when people say to me, you know, what's your work? I said, I've never worked. Like I was a bus boy when I was 13 and I was, yeah. I don't count that, you know, worked at a pizza uh -huh. place uh -huh. when I was 14, you know, all that kind of stuff. Did a little construction for the summer um, with a friend. But once I started my career, I don't consider this work. Like, this is just incredible. I don't even know what word to put to it. Because work to me, you know, societally, work is thought of as a drudgery, yeah. right? Like, I got to go to work today. <laughs> I would never, this is not work. This is yeah. a pleasure. It's a blessing. It's the people that come to me, I'm blessed by them coming to me. It's just, it's just blessings all over the place. So Awesome. So, so you're living a meaningful life whatever yeah whatever that means you know that that term's you know kind of thrown around a lot um yeah i do you know i just just try to be in the moment and that brings to me like i went you know what i said before when we're on these machines on the computers we're like in left field we're thinking about the future we're thinking about the past and again going back to if you can name your 10 points 10 most incredible moments of your life none of them are when you're on devices None of them are when you're thinking about the future or reflecting on the past. Yeah. So again, yeah. Not, not, not to say you shouldn't set a goal and not to say yeah. you shouldn't reflect, but you can't spend too much time in a different time zone. It's a different time zone. Yeah. Something hasn't happened yet. Something happened a long time ago. Yeah, that, sounds like it's, that sounds like it's lifted right out of my Zen Buddha book that I've been reading <laughs> for the past couple of months. No, so over the past you know, year, I've been spending a lot of time reading just because I'm writing a few chapters on, uh, on existence, existentialism, meaning of life, and you know, I've been sharing with my students. And one, one person that I just admire, I don't know if you ever read his book. Actually, I think he did, uh, Victor Frankl. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So, so evaluate this idea, right? He says that in order to have a meaningful life, which you clearly do, I know you won't subscribe to that term, but <laughs> right, he, he says you need to have three things. One, at least this is the way I think he's, this is what he's saying. He says you need to have some tension in your life, right? Mm -hmm. that's, no, that's number one. You need to, uh, tension and pain, I think, are two different things. I think he says you need a little bit of tension, maybe a little bit of pain. And then if you really want to have a meaningful life, you need to have love in your life, build relationships, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I keep going back to my own definition of success. And for me, I wouldn't have any success, be no meaning in my life, if I had all the money in the world, but no relationships and no love. Mm -hmm. Right. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? Like, uh, do you subscribe to that at all? Oh, a hundred percent. And again, everyone has a different, you know, every person on this planet has a different idea of what happiness is and success. Yeah. That being said, you know, I've trained people that are worth hundreds of millions, have five houses, have ever materially and power wise, powerful positions, but they might not be married, might not have ever had children, might be divorced. So they're all alone in the house. Yeah. And, you know, not gonna, obviously would never say who it would be, but 
you know, these people with the money, they're on Xanax, they're on medication, they're anxious. Um, so having a lot of material things doesn't necessarily give you a peaceful mind, doesn't yeah. give you a peaceful heart. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being super wealthy. I'm totally in, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> you can achieve something, but that by itself isn't going to smooth over how you feel internally by a long shot. Yeah. So to me, like if you said to me, okay, Matt, here's what you have right now. You have your family, which includes love. Mm -hmm. You have your health. You have your, your intellect. Yeah. And you have your money. If you had to cross one thing off, what would you do? I'd cross the money off. Wow. I start from scratch. Like I'd wow. go zero. Right. That's I wouldn't awesome. want to lose my family. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a super wealthy person and have nobody mm -hmm. to share it with. Um, I wouldn't want to be someone who wasn't intellectually curious and wanted to learn. That, then you're dead. Yeah. You just think you know everything or you just... Um, I would cut the money right out. That would be to chop that right out. Wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. So, so you work with, and again, we've had multiple conversations over the years, right? All, all enjoyable to make. I always learn something. So we've had some, we've had some real conversations about, you know, executives that you train, mm -hmm. right? And you train them, maybe, maybe they were part of some of your other programs, but if you were to look at those super successful guys, gals, um, I say successful. I'm talking about people that make a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, let's call that uh, seven, eight figure types of people. Sure. Okay. And you look at the ones that are happy. You look at the ones that are not happy. What's the what's the, what's the major difference? What what are they? What's the what's the unhappy ones missing? You know, it's interesting because when you get to train people, they they start talking about a lot of different things, personal things, and business things, and. I would say the, the people that have admitted to me that they're doing things marginally unethical no, wow. or unethical, they could be being investigated by the SEC, they could be in a lawsuit that they really brought on by their negligence. I would say, my dog just came to visit. I would yeah. say um, those people don't seem to be as happy because eventually that came and bite him in the butt. So the people that I know for a long time who, you know, because when you have a business, lawsuits happen all the time. You could be right. Yeah. But people who are very, uh, in my opinion, ethical, they seem to be able to put their head on the pillow at night. Yeah. And even if there's an, a, you know, a lawsuit that is not, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be, they'll deal with it because they know they're in the right. Yeah. You know, they'll go to bed easier, even though they're get, there's a lawsuit or there's something going on. But people who have done things unethically and they know it and it comes back, they're not putting their heads down on the pillow. You and why are, they, why are they doing things unethically? Is it because they're so self-centered, self self-interested? Well, what do you think? I think that when you're in a, in a, I mean, it could really be at any level if we come, we become competitive. Mm -hmm. We want to win. Yeah. Now, when you want to win at any cost, we got problems. And I'll give you an example. My, my uh, two kids are, were on soccer teams, traveling soccer. And there were a few games when they were in their late teens where the opposing coach brought older people 
to play. <laughs> and they got caught. Now, I said to myself, because these coaches are in their 50s, 40s. Yeah. I said to myself, who would want to win a game when you cheated? <laughs> like, how much pro if let's say I bring there's a 15-year-old soccer game, you know, U15. I bring three 17-year-olds. I'm able to get by the refs and I win the title. How do you're gonna feel good about that? But some people do. <laughs> Obviously, when they get away with it, they feel good about it. So some people feel good no matter how they get to their goal. Yeah. It could be unethically, they could, you know, stomp on people in the process, you know, abuse their employees. They don't care, they're at the top. Yeah. Other people don't want to be in an environment that way. They don't want to create an environment. They don't want to set that kind of tone. So those people seem to be happier that I know. And the people who got to get to the top, no matter what, it's dog eat dog. And I'm going to cut some corners. They seem to be that, you know, why, 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 what's the, what's the genesis of that decision, right? Drive? Is it ego? I mean, what, what do you think is driving somebody to say, I got to win at all costs? I mean, is it shame? You know, I don't know. Maybe I had a, maybe I had an upbringing where, you know, that it was, it was, I was never good enough. I mean. Well, you know what? It could go back to the, the documentary we've referenced a few times that I don't know if, you know, people who are watching this, they should watch it if they haven't. Um, Social Dilemma is your brain reacts when you have a victory, right? So there's certain yeah. things that go off. Your endorphins are released. I, I think there's a possibility of, of people getting high off of just the win, not how I got there. And that reaction to that win, the adulation that you get, mm. and it could be from people who don't care yeah. or they don't know that you got it that way. I think there just could be a cycle of reinforcement in the brain. Like, hey, I'm on top. I'm number one. I have yeah. the best hedge fund. I'm the best banker. Yeah. I'm the top at Goldman Sachs. I'm the top yeah. analyst. I don't care. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe some narcissism in there, you know? Yeah, I maybe. mean, you're hooked, you're, into, you're hooked into the perception of yourself and your ego. Again, an ego, we can discuss what that is. Yeah. That's a never-ending discussion but when you value yourself based on what you're accumulating and based upon what people's opinions are of you yeah you know problems happen yeah let me ask you what, what about some of your some of your prize clients and maybe this has nothing to do with your clients and all just your just your thoughts about it but where does fitness healthy lifestyle nutrition eating eating correctly um, where does that fit into, you know, a meaningful life? I keep using that term, sorry. But a life that you That's feel funny. comfortable about, you know, where you feel successful, right? Because I, I don't know, I, I've always thought about it as if, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're grossly uh, unhealthy, mm -hmm. I help you enjoy life. So where does, you know, where does, where does the, the good habits of health, eating well, going to the gym, you know, maybe mind, maybe spiritual health. Right. Where does that fit into uh, happiness? Well, you know, I think, I think people equate taking care of themselves as self-love. It's a self-esteem thing, right? Um, it's, 
if I do X, if I eat healthy food, if I'm active, I'm showing self-respect. I'm showing myself that I have an esteem for myself, that I value myself. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think some people, you know, they'll, they'll just come out and say, I'm very disappointed. I'm not taking care of myself. And they view that as a negative attribute. Yeah. I'm not respecting my body. I'm not respecting my peace. Um, I, I need to get that on track. And they feel good about respecting themselves, even before the results come from the exercise. Sometimes yeah. somebody just pulls up to my studio and they go, I feel so good that I got out of my house and got in the car. Like, so the action of self-care and, and, and taking care of yourself is a form of self-love. Mm. And I think people, they want to know that they respect themselves. It's a form of risk. You know, when exercise started way back when, you know, I'm a, I exercise because I'm an athlete. I have to get in shape. I'm going to the Olympics. I'm a competitor. Yeah. This whole evolution of self-care, the way it is now in our society, has really run from just the physical, like when we started, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, big muscles, yeah. <laughs> all of that. And now it has turned into... It's turned into a whole wellness paradigm. Yeah. And for me to feel my best is a way of self-respecting. So that's what Interesting. I yeah. And what about, what about, uh, let's talk real quick, because I, I know you probably have to jump here soon, but what, uh, what do you think about nutrition and vitamins and supplements? And, you know, it's all performance driven, right? I was at the, I was at the GNC the other day for my son to play football and he said, dad, I need to get some, you know, I think it's a pre-workout break. Like, no, you really don't. You really don't. <laughs> and, and, and then we got into talking about some other stuff, right? He needed to get protein and he needed to get this. And what, what do you think about that? Is it really performance-driven? Do we need it? Or is it all just, Well, you know, you know it's, I, I, was at, I was in Barnes & Nobles a few years ago, and I was in front of the fitness and, and nutrition section. And there was a woman there. She looked like she was trying to figure out what, how to start a program. And out loud, she goes, oh, my God, I'm so confused. Like, because every book is something different. High protein, yeah. low carbs, vegan, keto. Well, you know, I mean, it's endless. The 10-day diet, the five-day diet. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. And it's all about selling. You know, again, I love capitalism. But when it comes to your health, it's, you got to be careful. You got to yeah. be responsible. Mm -hmm. right? um, so nutrition to me is, is very simple. I'm not saying eating good is simple. I'm saying once you've made that decision, it's so uncomplicated. Eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. If you like meat, have lean meats. Try, you know, you want your carbs to be whole carbs, you know, a sweet potato, brown rice, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty simple. Drink, you know, if you're gonna have alcohol, do it in moderation. You know, don't starve yourself. Try to break the meals up. It's so, it's really a simple thing. But people are looking for this latest thing. Oh, you know, my friend just lost 15 doing keto. And I'm not saying keto is good or bad. I'm saying yep. they hear somebody yeah. loses weight short term. Yep. And I got to tell you something, Chris, we've known each other a long time. I've known a handful of people who have stayed pretty lean for 30 or 40 years. Like they dedicated yep. their life. None of them do any fad diet with a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. We just, you eat vegetables, you eat fruit, yeah. you have some lean meats, you yeah. have fun on occasion, you drink your water, 
you don't skip meals too much. I mean, I hate to make it break it down to simplicity. Yeah. But it all goes back, you know, again, psychology. Why do you want to do it? Is it important for you to do it? And try to sift through the craziness that's out there. It's just the information is just overload. It's just crazy. Cool. Yeah. Well, I can't ask any any questions about the the, the, the number of fish oils I'm taking at the moment. And the uh, it, it's it's <laughs> you know it's it's the least important thing is the number of fish oils. And I, I don't mean to downgrade your fish oils. You know, my, my vitamin D, my vitamin D, and my fish oils. I've been my big. I've been <laughs> I've been crazy for them lately. Yeah, but that's, that's it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> Self care, man. It's, all right. So, so hey, last question for you. Yeah. Right. If if you can think about one piece of advice, right? Just across your life, thirty years in the fitness industry, and we say the fitness industry. Okay, fine. We'll we'll classify you there. But for me, it's much more, right? Because you're a coach, you're a confidant to, to to many executives, right? You've been asked to participate in TV shows. You've been asked to participate in books. People care about your opinion, mm-hmm. and obviously, I'd have you on the show because I care about your opinion. So. If, if you can give one piece of advice to people listening or watching this when they're thinking about successful life and how do I get there? Because clearly you have a successful life. What, what is it? What do you think? Well, to me, again, it goes back to just doing what I love and not feeling like I'm working. I don't know if everyone has that luxury. You may have to get your second gig yeah. and do what you love there. But the more you do what you love, or maybe you got to love what you're doing, bring the love of whatever aspect of what you're doing, bring that into it, bring a passion into it. I don't even, I don't look at a clock. I don't feel like I'm working. So when you can get into that zone, figure out what that is, then you're never working. And when you feel that feeling, things just expand, you know, through the hard work and that passion. Yeah, people see the glow in your face. Yeah, maybe. It could be that or too much sun the other day. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> well, man, we've been going for about an hour and an hour and ten minutes or so. Right, buddy. As always, I appreciate your thoughts. Like awesome uh, overall conclusion here. Um, I know my students will be listening to this. Hopefully others will be listening to this. Uh, you you provide some really good commentary, especially how you overcome adversity in your life. Um, how you've achieved unbelievable success. You've built a virtuous life. You've built unbelievable character. And uh, I just thank you, man, for being who you are. Chris, it was a pleasure. Um, again, everything right back at you. And I wish you all the luck in the world. Thanks so much. All right, all right man. Take care. Take we'll care. see you.